Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well and that you are taking care of yourself and your family and your loved ones during this time. As states open up, as cities open up, I hope that you are finding ways to peacefully coalesce together, to find ways to continue your community, because that's what we need in this time. We can't lose sight that we need each other. We need to be able to see each other. We need to be able to talk to each other, to reach out and somewhat touch each other, even in this time where we are trying to figure out what it means to have community. The old ways are still there. We still need that. I spent some time with my godson and his family on Sunday at their house. And it reminded me that I, I missed that time. I missed that touch. Got the love on him and his, his mother, who was an old grad school friend, and their father. We ate crawfish. We laughed, man. And, and laughter seems to be that panacea for us all. So I'm hoping that you find ways to come back together, to laugh together, to love together. Because if we don't do that, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And so I wish you peace and serenity and love. I'm always grateful, man, for this time. I have been fortunate. <laughs> At the airing of this show, I will be in my last day of 48, and it has been an interesting year for me. It has definitely been an interesting time, learning more and more about myself and my revolution, the impact that I try to have on people. Hopefully, you have been able to think through what your revolution is because of listening to this show, because of seeing me be vulnerable and open about the trials and challenges that I face as a man. The happiness, the trials, the toils, all those things. So as I move into 49, I'm being more intentional about my life and what I do. And one thing I want to make sure is that this show lives on. As I posted today on Instagram, live a life that will live on without you. And so one of those things is that I'm asking myself is what is my purpose, right? Am I doing everything in my purpose? And so I asked myself, Charles, who can I have on today to really dive into this topic? And I was like, I got a frat brother. <laughs> they, were like, they were like, Charles, you always got a frat brother. But I got a frat brother who's really, really built his brand around leading with purpose, finding your purpose and then leading. So my good friend, Dr. Anthony Purdue joins the Western Revolution Show. What's up, Dr. Purdue? How you doing? What's good? What's good, Doctor Corporu? <laughs> all the all these doctors. You ready for this? Is gonna be one of them heady shows, where oh, <laughs> Doctor Purdue, Doctor yeah. Corporu. Everything is good, brother. Man, it's good to see you. So you know, unfortunately for my listeners, they won't be able to see you. Anthony is sixty years old, but he looks like he's twenty-five. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's funny see no. this this guy chuck always got jokes <laughs> listen you, you've been demoted from doctor to chuck after chuck, that there you go there you go no, but but in all seriousness like anthony you're what 50 you just turned 50 i'm 49 i'll turn 50 this june okay yeah. uh, uh happy early birthday to your brother and, and yeah. really to be honest with you man you know, i've known anthony since 1989 and he's done some amazing things in his life man but just to see this brother man he he I mean, he looks good. Like when you see him, you're gonna be like, "Damn, man, I want to be this dude." Like his cover photos, like his is like, "Man, you still got a full head of hair. You got a nice gray beard. 
beard. Just got this astute look. Yeah. So in all sincerity, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you've been doing in the world, brother. And, you know, we ask this question every time on every show and it makes me so happy. But Dr. Purdue, what's your revolution? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My revolution is to help others find their purpose and to be the best leaders that they can be of themselves, of their families, of their communities, and of their places of work. Mm. That is my revolution. Yeah, to leave with purpose, man. I love that. Yeah. In every place, right? You're not just talking about getting up in the morning at 8 o'clock and going to the job and leading there, but leading your communities, right? Leading in, the right. leading in the household, right? And leading with purpose and passion for your kids and for your partners. And I love that. And let's pull back for one second because I, I got challenged by one of my boys last night. He was like, you know, I, I love what's your revolution. Mm-hmm. What, what's your revolution is an outcome, right? It's an outcome. So you, you want to be able to lead with purpose. And so his push on me was, what are the precursors to that? How do you get to that outcome of leading with purpose? What do I have to do as mm. Charles Corporate to get to the ability to, to lead with purpose? Well, so, so first of all, and this is where the doctor part comes in, right? So, <laughs> so the premise of your question is based upon the thought that what's your rep, both what's your revolution, which your boy pushing back, and that purpose is an outcome. Mm. See, I, I believe that your revolution, your purpose, your calling, your mission, whatever you want to call it, is your why. In other words, it's your reason for being. It is the deepest and highest expression of the meaning of your life. That's, to me, the big question. It's, it's, it's really, why are you here, right? And so if I were to say, okay, what's your revolution or what's your purpose? I would say, to answer your question, really, it's about your life, your life story, who you are, your DNA. And I would say between the, your story, your ability to be self-aware, and understanding how what you do will serve the planet and the world, those three things, your, your story, your self-awareness and how it will serve the planet. Within that, you will find your why. Mm. That's what I think. I love that. So let's break it down. Your story, your mm-hmm. self-awareness, and how you're going to help the planet. And I, I, I love that last part, Ant, because yeah. we have to think about us as, as global citizens. That yeah. the, the impact that we have is not on just one person or one community. But if we think about our purpose... We have the, the power to impact people that we may never, ever see. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's that purpose that you may never, ever see them. But that one simple act, because you're in that self-awareness, right? And yeah. you talk about that story. So let's go all the way back to your story, Anthony. Who is Dr. Anthony Perdue? Well, let's see. I was about to break out in the Sam Cooke. I was born <laughs> by a river. Um, <laughs> Anthony can sing. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony is one of those singing cues. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I, I, I love to sing. Don't mean I can't sing. But, <laughs> but look, man, can I address something you said? I'm, then I'm going to answer your sure. question about, please, about please. me. You said something so profound that you don't know what impact you're going to have, right, on somebody in the world or even in time. It might be at 50 years from now where the impact of your revolution hits, which is why it's so important not to have to be so concerned with the end game, the state in which your revolution or the purpose manifests itself. But it's more important to, to, to dwell in what you're doing now and the importance of it and the reason, the reason for it. It's almost like a slingshot. 
a, a bow and arrow. You're just you're going to pull it back. You're going to fire it, but that thing might hit in places you could not even imagine. Man, excuse me for a second. <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> that's me, funny. Doctor. No, Dr. Purdue, I mean, Anthony, we're going to go down the whole progression. You're right. And I think why I'm, uh, why I'm becoming a little emotional is that I've been questioning a, a lot of that. And it's been in conversations with old friends who are reminding me that the fruits of your labor will not be seen right now and that you cannot give up because the, the simple act does not produce fruit right away. And yeah. you must keep the, this prolonged progression of your work in sitting in this space and who and what you believe you are will allow you to produce fruit that is proverbially edible by, by so much further down the road. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I love that because I've been questioning and, and just to say, I got a, I got a card. Like nobody, no, what's the last time you got a handwritten card, Aunt? You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, like a, a, a note, a handwritten note. And I got this note from my elementary classmate. Like we've been friends for, good Lord, 43 years. Mm -hmm. And she asked me the other day, she was like, hey, can, I, can you give me your address? I was like, yeah, I thought, you know, she was just going <laughs> to just gonna send me you know, like something. But she wrote a handwritten note. And we just don't do that anymore. And in this handwritten note, she talked about how I was her North Star. How over the years that she had watched my growth and my struggles, and she watched how now I was putting myself out there, that she had begun to ask herself time and time again, and well, what's my revolution? I she was like, I talk about this with my kids. It, it, it brings me even further. She's like, you don't know the impact that you've had on me by just allowing me to see you be you. And so mm. that's, that's emotional because sometimes you just don't know, Ant. And God will put in little nuggets to remind you to keep moving forward in your purpose. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I just wanted to tell that, and I appreciate you illuminating that because, and I love the analogy of a slingshot because you got to put it out there. You got to put it out there. So, so go back because you said the sure. first part of this is your story, and I want you to, t yeah. I want you to tell a story, and like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you should, you want to get me in trouble? That's what, no, that's what man. No, I'm telling you, you know, I mean, I ain't got, I, I don't even have on that deep dog. Dr. Corporate voice, like this is me and Ant, right? Like, <laughs> tell the story because there's a there's a story inside Dr. Anthony Purdue that I think gets it to the point why you're talking about leading with purpose. Sure, sure, man. So, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna go back to like different themes of my life, and I do this with my clients, but I also have done it with myself. And this is how this journey really started, man. I grew up with a single mom as my parent. My father was not around. I didn't meet him until I was 21 years old. My, my mother was from a small town in Eastern Shore, Maryland, and pretty much no one got out of there. Everybody just stayed in town. I moved every single year of my life until I went to JMU. We moved every year. I remember, I remember standing in soup lines and government cheese and butter lines. And, you know, it was, it was rough. You know, moving every year meant that I could not establish roots and really good friendships. And what I will say, though, and I'll give my mother a lot of credit because she always talked about me doing something great or being 
you know, not normal. Don't be just like everybody and not sit around and not do anything. You need to get to work. You need to be the best Anthony you can be. And so that was like a spark that stayed, stayed within me. So by the time I got to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do or really to be, but I knew two things. Number one, I wanted to be something special. I wanted to be great. I had a lot of confidence, as you know, when I was in, <laughs> <laughs> in college. And I was actually a gymnast. So as a black gymnast in, in the 1980s, you know, I stood out like a, a sore thumb, you know. The other thing, and we've talked about this before, man, is just, you know, in terms of Omega and, and, and wanting a depth of friendships. And those friendships and being a part of Omega really helped me to find out more about who I was, what my strengths and what my weaknesses were. Right. So that's another part of purpose discovery is knowing what you're good at. And for me, it was creativity. It was strategic, you know, kind of thinking as I planned out as, a, as the boss of the chapter planned out things. And I'll, I'll kind of fast forward the story a little bit, but I thought I wanted to be a, a brand manager. Like, uh, you know, so I went back to school, went to Duke, got my MBA, wanted to sell, you know, dog food or cereal. It's kind of a marketing brand manager type person. And I thought that was really it, along with doing some things in entertainment. Eventually, I got into consulting, ended up at a technology company as a salesman. I got married in my mid-30s. And I just, I just, you know, be real with you, man. Be real with your, your, your audience, man. I, you know, I was failing as a husband. I was, you know, challenged on my job. I was doing very well monetarily, but I did not like really what I was doing. I mean, it was okay making money. I think I liked the money. So by the time, it's like 10 years ago, man, when I was 39, 40 years old, man, I just started reading. I started reading, praying, you know, God, show me what you want me to do, who you want me to be. And that's what you said about the, the North Star, you know, kind of who you are, not necessarily what you do. So my whole focus had been on coming from poverty and coming from the country. No dad, you know, I'm like, I got to accomplish. I got to buy the next, you know, the big house, the, the BMW, the trucks and, the, you know, travel and do all these things. But I was misled, man. So once I started down the path of that self-discovery, and that's really where the self-awareness starts to meet, you know, your story, my story, I understood that I really, you know, I'm really good at reading, you know, a relationship or relating with people, individuation as it's called. I'm good at uh, writing. I love to write. I, I love to learn, which is a character value, a, a character strength. So I went back and got my doctorate. In 2016, I lost my job, the long job that I, that I had. And I'm, I'm about to wrap the story up. So I know oh, take, your, <laughs> take your time, brother. Take your time. <laughs> Tell the story, as um, we say here on the show. Tell that story. Yeah, brother. So in 2016, I lost my job. I was about a year away from getting my, my doctoral degree. I started serving. I started volunteering. I volunteered at a, at a, uh, a workforce development nonprofit in Baltimore, inner city Baltimore, where the majority of the folks that were seeking jobs were uh, ex-felons. They were coming home. They were returning, man. And, and it was then where, you know, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I, I loved leadership and I was discovering my own purpose, but it was in helping the, the disenfranchised, the folks that, you know, society has forgotten at this nonprofit, man, coaching them, coaching the, the, uh, the directors and the folks that ran the, the, the nonprofit, where I really started focusing more on purpose. And I said, you know what? I learned that whenever someone finds more importance to themselves, it's called self-realization, right? When they know, you know what? And I don't want to use this term, I guess that Jesse Jackson would choose, but I am somebody, right? Right. 
where they had that self-belief, man, it, it would change their life. It, you know, I, I saw, I've seen many a time where it did. And that's how I've arrived, man. In 20, so 2017, got my degree, started doing more leadership coaching. I had to actually start driving for Lyft because I was uh, broke. But um, I just kept grinding and churning and grinding, man, and got more clients. And and, uh, and now I have a major client that I do leadership development and training with. And I have uh, other clients in leadership coaching and, and training as well, man. So, yeah, brother, that's my story. That's my purpose, my revolution. And I'm sticking to it. Hey, man. And that story is beautiful. I learned some things about you that I did not know, right? I did not know, you know, having to move every year. It was, you know, conversations that we didn't have as young men growing up. And I think about, like, the vulnerability. How, how often did that story come out? Do you tell that story as, as young men, you know, as young Omegas where we have that bravado and, you know, I, I, can, I can walk through fire. I can do anything. And underneath us is a story that actually continues to drive us. And, you know, thank you for sharing that with me because I, I did not know. And I said, you know, Ant and I have been known, knowing each other since 1989. That's a, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long time, brother. But Ant, talk about that experience more with the men who were coming out. What were you seeing in them that you could impart that moved them to a, you know, that move them to another space that how could you relate to the question? How can you relate to them and then show them how they could find purpose? Cause it's hard out here coming out of incarceration. The recidivism rates are high, particularly for black and brown men, right? There's the expectation that you're going to go back because of all of the constraints and so many policy issues that are going on across our company with criminal justice reform, they're just too slow. So how did you relate and then move some of those brothers into spaces where they said, I have a, I have a greater purpose and I'm not going back? Yeah, man. So, so I think, and, and I'll just kind of go there a little bit, man. As, as black men, we, we know the history of and the present of our country, right, of our situation. Systematically from the destruction of our families to policies in economics to, you know, not just economic policy, but legal policy from housing, just down the line. So much has been done to literally destroy men. And when I think about, you know, myself and the fatherlessness that was there and the lack of a family structure that imparts values. And I would even say, number one, being a, a belief of greatness, that you as a man telling your son, telling your child that, and telling your daughter that they can do anything they want to do, but they should be something that is of, of moral and high character, of ethics, of virtue, and of value, and so that, so that they believe in themselves. And I think with the men, if I recall, coming out of, coming out of jail that were in part of this program, that was, the, that was the connection, is that I've been there, I was broke, I was poor. I've never been to, you know, knock on wood. I've, I never went to jail for any extended period of time. <laughs> but, um, a day or two. A day or two, yeah, yeah. But it was really, man, that the understanding that, that we both had challenges in life, but that I could empathize and be compassionate towards the challenges they had. Because I, I, I dealt with the same systematic, you know, gunfire, if you will, directed to point it and directed at them. What helped? me to connect in terms of, you know, them finding success. And it wasn't just me. It was obviously this program itself. It was, man, this program was held in the bottom of a church. Mm. And 
the first thing we did, the pastor would come down, he would do an introduction and an opening opening prayer, but the prayer was multi, you know, spiritual. So it wasn't just, you know, it was almost like if, no matter what your religion, no matter what you are, you were welcome, right? But it was the combination of, I think, that spiritual belief and that spiritual uh, guidance, focused technical training, emotional guidance. So when I actually sat down with the men, man, being able to understand what they had gone through and where they could go and then giving them hope and a, and a target that they could do something that they couldn't have done in the past, mm -hmm. particularly hold down jobs in an environment that they weren't used to. Right. You know, and I think that's really what would, um, would help, you know, when I was there. No, I appreciate that. You know, when you have the ability to connect and like you said, your story leads to self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. What leads for you, gives you the ability to have a global impact, right? That you are human. Mm -hmm. I think we lose that sometimes, Anthony, that we are human. And oftentimes we understand what it means to dehumanize someone. Mm -hmm. But when we are human and we, make, we acknowledge the humanity of someone else, regardless of their life experiences, regardless of their stories, we... We humanize them. People feel they take a step up like, wait a minute, you're not treating me like the rest of society who has dehumanized me. Mm -hmm. I made a, I, I might have made a mistake. I might have made several mistakes, but here I am and you are humanizing me. That gives you hope because we are quick to find flaw. We are quick to find ways to dehumanize people to make them less than. And when people feel less than and what do they do particularly as men particularly as men of color we're going to find a way to feel more than that's right yeah and too often finding a way to feel more than can be destructive i love that because we have to be able to connect we have to be able to be human in space and humanize each other let's turn this to what's going on in our country right now we're seeing un unemployment rise drastically because of COVID 19. Oftentimes, the numbers for unemployment, they're hidden numbers because we don't talk about that. Unemployment rate might be 7%. Well, in black and brown communities, it could be 19, 20%. If we're seeing 16% unemployment, we know that our communities are being ravaged, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just, you know, our frontline workers. There are executives out there who are looking for jobs as well. Yeah. In this time, Anthony, as we're talking about leading and finding your purpose what strategies do you give to someone who just got laid off right who has this opportunity who's in midlife right mm. who has this opportunity to say let me stop for a second what do you tell them to do right now mm. well i think the, the first thing is to acknowledge that you know job loss can be a challenge right and i talked about this in my blog man it's you know there's five stages of grief right there's denial the anger the bargaining depression and uh, acceptance, you know, so really kind of finding a way to get through those stages, I think is, is really important. And that's all about that self-awareness. How do I feel right now? Emotional self-awareness. If you don't understand where you are in your emotions, we, and you talked about this, right? It, it's, it's almost like if you, if you don't feel good, we're going to feel good. But if you feel bad, we might impart that, that feeling of negativity on those closest to us and that's the last thing so 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 what you've seen happening is cases of domestic violence increasing across the country and if you know you 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 know like i know when a man feels like he's backed into a corner when he has you know nowhere to go no hope sometimes 
he can act out, man. And so I would just say, be, you know, be really in check with your emotions, especially as, as men. It's also a time to take an assessment of where you are. I talked about self-awareness. And you can do that on a number of, of places or number, in a number of ways. Number one, I, I go back to, you know, strengths, really understanding. In fact, I'll give you, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool called, you've heard of SWOT analysis. Yes. It's a tool called SOAR, right, which is strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. So it's a way to, to, to kind of keeps it all positive where SWOT analysis will, you know, kind of take you down the, the, the road of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And so we kind of want to shy away from the weaknesses and threats because, you know, look, why dwell on what's, what's, what's negative? We can, we can focus on what our strengths are and how that will result in a, in a positive outcome. So I would also go through an exercise like that, writing down your strengths, your opportunities, your aspirations, and, and what results you want. I would also, and this is what I did, I got both someone, that once I kind of took some time and figured out the direction of where I wanted to go, I got both a career coach, someone who really knows the market, knows the targets that you're, that you're driving towards, and, some, and then the other one was a brand coach, someone that helped me to understand myself better from the inside out. There's a, a couple of assessments that I, that I took. One is called a 360-degree assessment, and that was where I, the questions were given to friends, friends and families and colleagues, family and colleagues, about me to ask, what are my strengths? What am I good at? Right. And what, what should he be doing or what have you seen him do that has brought a lot of value? And what that does is it's a term called objective self-awareness. It, it aligns what you think of yourself with what others think of you. And that objective self-awareness or OSA, when you can align that thing, that's when you have the greatest awareness. And it's been proven to, to make you a more effective, efficient and productive person. Wow. But let me just let, add this one piece. The sixth stage of grief is meaning and finding meaning and finding purpose so once you get through those five stages and start to evaluate where you are find meaning and find purpose in what in, in the challenge in the, in the in the setback right there's a guy by the name of willie jolly that wrote a book called a setback is a setup for a comeback right and that was one of the things man that that i listened to or that i that i read and it really inspired me man to figure out and to accept the job loss as an opportunity for me to, to, to walk in my purpose and to get to where I am today. Yeah, no doubt. So there's a, there's a couple of things that I want to make sure that everyone heard, you know, taking that sore analysis and not the SWOT analysis, right? Mm -hmm. Strengths, opportunities. What was the A? Strengths, opportunities. Aspirations. Aspirations and results. Results. So making yeah. sure, I'm sure that everybody can Google that and we make sure I'll put that into the show notes. But Sora, take that opportunity to, to really look at who you are. Also go out and do a 360. And that's something that I've done in the past and is, is, is send yeah. questions out to friends and family members and past co-workers to, hey, like, you know, what am I good at? And what I do, and is uh, I make it anonymous <laughs> so they can say bad stuff about me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Like uh -huh. he ain't, he ain't squat, but I, <laughs> I still think it's a great opportunity, right? You know, what did you think I was good at? How, why did you like working with me? You know, what value did you think that I brought to you, to the organization, to the people that we serve? Things like that. What if you talked about getting a career coach and a brand coach? Some mm -hmm. people might say, you know what, Dr. Purdue, you know, I don't got those letters behind my name. I may not have a little cash in my pocket, right? <laughs> How can I offset that? How, you know, how could I offset getting a career coach and a brand coach if I don't have the funds right now? Well, yeah, I mean, shoot, man. I, look, 
<laughs> a target is is only, uh, you know you can you can you can shoot towards a target but it's only as effective as the work you put behind it or the energy behind it man so i would say a couple things you know you don't need a coach always for self awareness that's the, that's the first thing you can do these 360s yourself as you just mentioned there are other uh, assessments you can take that will you know if you if you're looking at this as an opportunity to, uh, as a re- a reawakening or a shift or perhaps an understanding of how you can actually do something in your purpose cuz most people most people have a, an idea of what they want to do and and most people are aware I'm not I wasn't able to do that on the job that I had right so so you're in one or two camps you're either in the camp of I, I love what I do I'm going to keep doing it man or I kind of like what I did or I didn't like what I did and I want to do something else so either camp you're in I still suggest that you become self-aware you don't have money for a coach you can get some assessments like uh strengths finders another assessment to understand your strengths emotional intelligence tests to understand your emotion you know your emotional intelligence and your strengths of emotional intelligence because it will also inform what careers are best for you in other words empathy strength and empathy strengths and social responsibility maybe more in line with you know nursing or helping people versus assertiveness which which may be more in like politics or something like that right yeah. so so yeah man so i would say um you can still get assessments without spending the money on a coach but you really want to talk to people that are in the field that you're aspiring to be in as well and network as much as possible so i'd say do the work know where you're going and you'll get there yeah two key things that really came out of that is emotional intelligence and really knowing your network and working your network one of the things that are you know as people live in their purpose I would think that people who are fully ingrained in their purpose, who are, who, who are swimming like in their purpose, are highly emotionally intelligent. Would you agree with that? Like the emotional intelligence that, that they have to have, the self-awareness, would lead them to that. Because they're gonna be, there's going to be, I would think, opportunities for distraction. There's going to be opportunities where you're going to have to practice empathy if you're leading in your purpose. Would you agree with that statement that to be highly emotionally intelligent means that you're more apt to be working and living in your purpose? I would I would agree with most of it. I I would agree that if you know your purpose and you're working towards your purpose, you're more likely to have a high level of emotional intelligence. What what I mean by that is if some people know their purpose but just can't make that leap. If you ever hear, hear Steve Steve Harvey talking about fear of flying, you know, making that jump because of the day job because you know, we got to raise kids. We got to put food on the table. Sometimes they can't do that thing, and it's still just a hobby, right? But I would say yes. If if you know your purpose, that means you're self aware, and if you're actually walking in your purpose, that means you are making key decisions, problem solving, which is a part of emotional intelligence, impulse control, which is around delayed gratification, which is a part of emotional intelligence. So, so absolutely, man, emotional intelligence and the ability to to understand and walk in your purpose are, are highly correlated, most definitely. Yeah, and it's something that we have to practice. You can build your emotional intelligence. It is not something yeah. that we are born with. You can build it. The practice of understanding empathy, the practice of delayed gratification, and that's so interesting because if you've been laid off or you know if you're about to lose your lose your job, you're going to want to find something as quickly as possible. But the key is, and I think that's what I hear, Dr. Perdue, is that if you want to live in your purpose, you may have to wait a little while. 
right? Yeah. Your, your search is not going to be immediate. And living in your purpose, it, at least in my mind, is not about the financial gains. My boy, Eli Beatty, Dr. Eli Beatty, board certified cardiologist at Wake Forest Baptist, talks about this living in his purpose. He's like, my job is a hobby. <laughs> can, you imagine, can, you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Uh, and his job is board certified cardiologist. But I will, he will call me at six, on, six in the morning on the road to work. He'll call me, he might call me back later in the day. Maybe it's 11 o'clock, I'm on my way home. I'm like, wait a minute, you call me at six and now you're calling me at 11. He was like, yeah. I was like, you've been there for almost 18 hours. He was like, yeah. He, I love my job. Mm. He's like, I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose. I am passionate about each day there's a challenge. I love the people that I work with. I find joy in impacting people's lives. And, and I get paid a ton of money to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one heck of a hobby. That's one heck of a hobby. If you can turn, look, if you can turn your passion project into a, a, a financial game, please go right ahead and do it. But that's what I love. I love talking to him because he, he reminds me that, yes, take the money aside, right? He lives in his passion every day. He loves, he gets up and goes to work every day and loves it, right? And mm -hmm. loves it. And that is a, it is a model for me as I, as I think about the next phases of my life and making sure that I am sitting in purpose, that it has mm. nothing to do with the money. That my mental health, that my emotional, my emotional and mental health are paramount to me living in my purpose. Because I don't feel like you can live in your purpose if your emotional and mental health, right, and your physical health are taking its toll because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let me let me just say this, brother, because I th I think I think there's a it's almost like a roadmap, right? If you understand your story, so your story comes, from, your story will produce your passion. So somewhere along the line, I don't know if he was playing, you know, uh, what's that little game with the doctor thing that you, you know, uh, Monopoly? Stick it, not Monopoly. <laughs> oh, uh, I see. <laughs> operation. 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 <laughs> so, so whatever your boy was doing. Never played, never played Operation. <laughs> right, right. He found his passion, man. Our, our passion comes from our story, which is birthed sometimes through trauma and pain and sometimes, sometimes through promotion, something that, you know, we, we've done well, you know, at a boy, uh, you've excelled at. That story moves into our self-awareness, right? Understanding who we are, what our strengths are, what our values are, what we are good at. And when you're good at something, when you have a strength in something and you focus on that thing, you become, let's say, top 10% of that thing that you're doing. Then you move on to service. So how is that strength and your passion combined helping people, right? And see, even with you, man, with your show and with all the good work you do, you are helping so many people. The value is there. So in other words, the purpose will produce the fruit, the profit, the, 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 the money, the Skrilla, the, the cash, <laughs> but the <De> Nero, De Nero. <laughs> but it just might not be on the timeline that we want, which is where that, you know, importance comes in. So that's where, you, you know, I think the, you know, valuing walking in purpose, and obviously we all have to eat, so we might have to do some side hustles. Like I right. said, I had to drive for ride share, but, but that's, it's going to manifest itself in the fruit 
if you you know as long as it's, it's, it's aligned with your purpose and you're good at it you know yeah, what I mean? man this is look man and you've been dropping dropping pearls as we say <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying as the bros would say no um, <laughs> um you know speaking of the bros and you know I, I remember as a as a a young man a young boy you know coming to jmu and and if i'm still correct you're still probably the youngest the youngest member youngest person initiated in beta delta delta is that correct? Was anybody younger? You were you played as a freshman, correct? I did. I know Nick was before me. He probably have a fit if he uh, <laughs> he's listening to this. Yeah. Either yeah, probably me or Nick or AJ. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, our good brother AJ, good brother Nick Evans, Doctor Doctor Anthony Jones, and that's right. You know, Beta Delta Delta. I, I, going back to my story, I remember seeing Anthony, you know, on, on campus and being the epitome of Omega Sci Fi. And, <laughs> you know, we, we laugh, man, being the epitome of mega sci-fi. I mean, youthful, exuberant, right? Manhood, scholarship, perseverance, uplift. And if you had to think back to young Anthony, right? And Anthony now, you know, what, what's the differences that you've seen, you know, as yourself, as an Omega man from young Anthony to 49-year-old Omega man Anthony? Mm. Lord have mercy, Chuck. You, 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 that's talking about dropping pearls. That's a pearl question. Uh, man, I, you know, I think it's manhood. I mean, part of the challenge of moving from a boy to malehood to manhood is really knowing your values, knowing how to prioritize, and really knowing, you know, and, and knowing purpose, right? So I, I just think, man, the biggest thing that I would you know, look back on is I really did not know the true definition of a man. You know, man, man, being a man is really about responsibility. Uh, it's about dominion, but it's also about dominion through service. So yes. being able to serve others in the gifts that you're given, that you've been bestowed with so that you can be a steward of that in which is part of your, your, your domain, if you will. Right. So I just think, man, the definition of manhood, which Back then, man, and even to this day, you still see a lot of young bros. You know, it was all about that bravado. But what I've come to realize, man, bravado is often a shell, a cover for the pain and the tragedy and, the, you know, the trauma that young men, uh, especially men of color across this country, have faced, man. Yeah. So we transfer that negative energy to one another in, a, in improving manhood through physical <laughs> activities like going to the grass and, and other types of things, man. So I just think the definition of manhood, and, un, and if, if I had a better understanding of that as, as a younger man, I would have I liked that. I, you know, I say that in, in hesitation because I, I just feel like my life has played out the way that mm -hmm. God has, has, has destined it. And right. so I accept it and I'm extremely grateful and have much gratitude about, you know, where I am. Right. But but to answer your question, man, manhood would, would be looked at a lot differently. Wow. And I, I appreciate that. And, you know, 26 years into the fraternity and the love that I have for our fraternity and remembering what it was remembering what it was like 26 years ago. And now with the gathering of us together and how as we get older in the fraternity and as people 
the essence, like friendship is essential to the soul, really plays out. I mean, it really comes to fruition. It is concrete, you know, when you think about our fraternity's values, right? We, we think about that. And, you know, I think about how Marvin is my coach. You know, we, we, we think about that. I think about the relationship that Chris and I have, Chris Powell, Christopher Eugene Powell, uh, a man, <laughs> the third. man, you know, exactly, right? You know, and, and to, to think about the how we grew up, you know, at Green Run and, and, and coming through JMU and the conversations that we now have as men, how they have shifted and how, you know, there is a... a a reverence for each other. I, I think about like, you know, I'm gonna call it ADP Mad Max, right? It's a Dr. Anthony <laughs> Perdue, right? It's, it's, right? It, it's, it's funny, right? ADP becomes DAP. Mm, like, <laughs> you oh, that's pretty good. That's clever, man. That's clever. <laughs> you know, you know, ADP becomes DAP, Dr. Anthony Perdue. But it's interesting how we, you know, and their ability for a men of Omega to embrace each other and, and to really build on friendship is essential to the soul is is one thing that i love about the frat and i must give a shout out to beta delta delta for celebrating 35 years 35 years i know there was a huge uh online celebration of 35 years of beta delta delta and i'm i'm hoping i am hoping i am hoping dr badu that at homecoming this year there will be a somewhat of a celebration if we can go back and have home ha have homecoming mm -hmm. because the brothers of Beta Delta Delta were always the model for me. And why, other than my father, other than my father, who has always been the greatest role model of Omega, the brothers of Beta Delta Delta were the catalyst. They showed me what brotherhood and manhood and camaraderie meant. And I always wanted to be a part of that. And I am grateful, tremendously grateful for having been embraced by the chapter, right? Uh, to feel when I go to JMU that it is still home. And tremendously grateful for the, the friendships and the camaraderie and the love that is shown to me when I do go home uh, and the ability to laugh and joke, you know, like we are still children. Like we are still adolescents, brother. So I am, am definitely grateful. And let's close out, brother. Sure. The, the one thing that I ask, you know, and in, in closing, and you've dropped, some, dropped so many pearls, but I want you, if you think about a couple more, how can we as men, right? get better? How do we become the best versions of ourselves? What are you doing, Anthony Perdue, physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally to become the best version of yourself? Mm. Wow. You know, I think, you know, we've talked about it. I'm going I'm to I'm drop this in, in two main buckets. The first is, you know, someone once told, once said, I think it was Dr. Bob, Bobby Manning, the three biggest decisions you can make as a man is who's your master, what's your mission, and who's your mate. In other words, Choosing your spiritual guide to be a leader, you must be a follower. Understanding where you're going, what your purpose is, your mission, and then choosing someone that's going to help you along that path. That'd be the first thing. If, if I'm a younger man, those thoughts would be very top of mind. Who's my master? Who, what's my mission? And who's my mate? As men, generally, I think I think it's really about you know we we become who we are. You know, our, our, our values live out through our character. Our character lives out through our actions. Our actions become habits. Our habits become our destiny and legacy, right? So if I were to say one thing is write down and understand what your habits are, both good and bad, right? What do you do? It could be habits of, of greatness, 
right? Or habits of evil. And you could probably look at the acronym of the habits habits of evil to understand what that what that means. But you know, write down what your habits are that you want to do, the good things, and then things that you're doing that are keeping you from your purpose. And start, you know, start small. Start doing one thing more per day that is a good habit and stop doing something that's that, that's that's holding you back. And you know, you want to try to do that for at least twenty-one to sixty-six days, depending on the um, you know, the scientific study that 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 proves out. But it, but yeah, man, just changing your habits, I think, as a, as men, and it could be in any of those realms, Chuck. You know, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and even relationally. And I'll just say this: habits can act as a force multiplier. In other words, if there's you could do one thing that can change the course of a lot of other habits. And for you, it might be running. I know for me, it's it's actually sitting down and writing every morning, right? Because then it gets my brain into, it releases oxytocin and if other other chemicals that help you feel good about yourself and gives you momentum throughout the day for the other things. So, so yeah, man, that would be it. Y'all heard all that, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I was I was like dead listening to everything you had to say, brother. What I love about what has happened over the last hour is that you have just given us a roadmap. Oftentimes we get on the show and, and you know, the, the show is good. But sometimes I'm left like, did I leave my listeners? Did I leave my revolutionaries with a roadmap? Dr. Anthony Perdue, you have given us a roadmap today, right? A roadmap on how we can live and lead with purpose and how to find that how to find that, how to find that with themselves, how to just do away with the bad habits that provide barriers to us finding and leading with purpose and how do we continue to do the things that will allow us to just sit there and not listening to the noise because there will be noise all the time. There will be distractions. You know, God will sometimes say, you know, I'm going to put a little distraction just to see if you're really here with me, you know? If you're really here with me, but if you can stay in there and lead and live with your purpose, what Dr. Anthony Perdue is saying is that you will find a greater life. You will find a greater life, right? Your master, your mission, and your mate. Woo-hoo! I will be listening to this. This this podcast, this show with Dr. Anthony Perdue will live on far after we are both gone. And I want to say that I am grateful to you, dear brother, my dear brother and friend of Omega, for all that you do for me. For all that you do for us and for all that you do for the world, brother, keep shining, keep doing your thing and make sure revolutionaries that you find as much of the content as you can. You can find him on LinkedIn at Dr. Anthony Perdue. He's at DrAnthonyPerdue.com, correct? It's just AnthonyPerdue.com. AnthonyPerdue.com. Is there any way else that we can find you to learn more about what you're writing about, to hear you more? You got a podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I just started a podcast. week before last i got a podcast the leading on purpose podcast and um i've released a new one weekly and that's on my website anthonyperdue.com um also i write a blog weekly uh you can also get in contact me with contact with me on my website uh, to get on my mailing list so um yeah that's me there you go revolutionaries dr anthony perdue leadership consultant for some of the most prolific prolific leaders in the country thank you so much and i I wish you all well. I wish you all well. I wish you all well. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. And always be able to answer what we think here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution?